There's nothing greater than that name. There's nothing more powerful than that name. Come on, he deserves our glory. He deserves our worship. He deserves all honor tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let's stand this evening together. We go to the word of the Lord. I want to give you a couple of scriptures. This is my pre-sermon, okay? We do that. We're going to have work on our memory verses. Y'all remember we've been memorizing verses. Philippians 2.14, who remembers that? Do all things without murmuring and disputings. Y'all remember that? All things. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, Sister Linda worked so hard around this church, cleaning this church. You know how hard it is to get gum out of carpet? I think it's just respectful in the house of the Lord if we don't chew gum in the house of God. Amen? And when we stop chewing gum, we're going to do it without murmurings and disputings. That's the word of the Lord. Here's another one. Remember this one, 1 Peter 4, 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busy body. Now, it's just hard to imagine that people would put their nose in other people's business. Because if we're supposed to be growing together and going to heaven together, then why would we be tearing other people down? So I think it's best as a church and as a youth group if we do nothing but try to encourage don't try to cause division. You know, there's a scripture that we don't do literally, but it says mark them that cause division. Now, you wouldn't like it if I stood you up and said, you right here, you're a busybody, and you can't keep your mouth shut. I'm just, I'm not pointing anybody, okay? Let me just point down. Not... You wouldn't like that, but that's what the Bible says to do. The Bible also says open rebuke is better than secret love. I stood you up and said, I rebuke you. You would probably not come back to church. But if we just listen to what the book says and do what the book says, we wouldn't have to be worried about being stood up and called out. Amen. All right, let's go to the word of the Lord. Psalm 34, verse number 18, while you're turning, good to see Brother Spence. Love him. He's a friend of this church. Glad that he's joined us this evening. Also, parents, Brother Aaron and Sister Stacy are going to be uh, putting out um, flyers and sign-up sheets. Uh, Junior quizzing is from ages 5 to 11. So if you have a quizzer that wants to quiz, uh, you get with them, and they're going to be getting all the material, and and it's going to be a great time. 
This year was a big learning experience for our children and our parents. But I think now that we know what to expect, we're going to do better and better each and every year. So I, I promise you, you will not regret allowing your children to be a part of this great ministry. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I want to preach tonight for a little while the beauty of a broken life. The beauty of a broken life. Can we lift our hands to heaven right now? Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, without your spirit, our words are shallow. It takes an anointing that moves upon man and accompanies those words and penetrates in the hearts and the minds of individuals. Let us hear this word. Let us receive this word. And let us respond to this word tonight. In your precious name we pray. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you as you're seated tonight. The beauty of a broken life. Amen. Makes me wonder how many people swallowed their gum a few minutes ago. There's a saying that you've probably heard somewhere in your life. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Meaning, basically, if it's still tolerably functioning, just leave it alone. Let it just keep on going. Don't rock the boat. Things I, we don't like change. I grew up in a home where my mother, I've told you before, we had wallpaper on one wall and the rest of the, white, of the, of the house was white because my dad could buy it in a five-gallon bucket and you couldn't put nail holes in the wall, so I put scotch tape on to hold posters up. And if I gave my mother this bottle of water, she set it on a shelf. Ten years later, it was going to be right there where she put it. Unless something weird happened. Because that's just, I grew up with, without change. I just, it's how I was. And anytime things start changing, like these restaurants, I, I, I get, I know I'm weird and that this just me. But you cannot eat. Uh, a, a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich with McDonald's barbecue sauce. You've got to eat it with Wendy's barbecue sauce. We get these things in our mind that if we deviate from it in any little way, that's why nothing aggravates me more than ordering my whole meal and then I'll say I need four barbecue sauce and they say, well, I'm sorry we're out of barbecue sauce. I'll go just cancel the whole order because it messed up what I knew as normal. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it it's, we like things just to keep functioning just like, like they are. And many people live their lives that way. Their motto is my life is functioning just fine. So I don't need change. I don't need fixing. 
I don't have any problems right now that require outside help. In other words, what people are saying is I can run my own world. I can manage it just fine. I'm getting along all right. Everything's okay. What they don't realize is when it comes to God, if it's not broke, God won't fix it. If it is not broken, God cannot step in. In other words, until you admit that you are helpless in areas of your life, then you literally tie the hands of God and he cannot step in and begin to help you with that problem. Because of sin, human beings are fundamentally broken. Scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But David discovered there's a principle during his life regarding brokenness. He said, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Everything in life, everything that pertains to our carnal nature, we try to hide our flaws. We try to mask our mess-ups because we want to focus on I've got everything going fine. Everything is all right. I don't have problems because we think if we can fool people, we can fool God. But my friend, let me tell you, when God looks at somebody that's broken, he is, he is not repulsed by your brokenness, but he sees the beauty of a broken thing because he sees a life that he can step in and start putting back together. He sees a world that has fallen apart with chaos and he can be the peace speaker that steps into your situation. Because of our cultural expressions, we primarily think of a broken heart or a broken spirit as a weeping or sad spirit. But the primary meaning of David's Hebrew expression was what we normally think of when we think of the word broken. It means violently separated into parts, shattered, damaged, fractured, violated, disrupted, made weak or infirm, subdued, crushed, bankrupt, reduced in rank, cut off, disconnected, not complete or full. David realized two very powerful truths. His heart was broken, not merely that it was sad, but that something was fundamentally wrong with his heart. And secondly, God is attracted to brokenness. He knew that if it's not broke, God won't fix it. And that's why David did not admitting it, did not mind admitting his problem. In Psalm 31 and 12, he said, I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. Of all the people, David knew the highs of victory and he knew the lows of brokenness. A man who earned the, the title, if you please, as a man after God's own heart. Yet even he could not escape the necessity 
of being broken. In fact, the whole purpose of the Old Testament law was to show man that he was fundamentally broken and that he needed God's help. Romans 7 and 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had known had not for I had not known lust except the law had said thou shalt not covet. Galatians 3:24 Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law of Moses contained several illustrations containing brokenness concerning brokenness. First, if any earthen vessel was contaminated by an unclean object, animal or person, let me, let me rephrase that. Any earthen vessel contaminated by an unclean object, animal or person was to be broken. When leprosy had broken through the skin, a person was unclean and had to be separated from everyone else. When leprosy was, had broken out in the walls of a house, the house was to be broken down. No sacrifice that was imperfect was allowed to be offered to God. And no man who was broken or even blemished was permitted to enter into the presence of God as a priest, further illustrating the fact that our brokenness separates us from God. In Leviticus 21, 17, he says, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose or anything superfluous or a man that is broken footed or broken handed or crook back or a dwarf or that hath a blemish in his eye or be scurvy or scabbed or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish. He shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. The Old Testament is really an ongoing contest between God and the devil's false gods for the affections of Israel altars to Jehovah and many false deities were alternately built and broken depending on the character of the man who occupied Israel's throne at the time. If you read the Old Testament, if someone was wicked, they would start building altars and high places and then God would send someone to deliver Israel and they would tear down the high places and they would start building altars unto Jehovah. The implication throughout all of these illustrations is clear. Humanity is broken by sin. And until sin's power or its altar is broken in our lives. We live under the certain threat of eternal destruction. In other words, either you break sin or sin breaks you. 
Hear me, my friend. If you're going to live for God, it's going to be because you made up your mind to tear down the high places in your life, to destroy the altars of this world, to get rid of every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And let there be one altar. Let there be one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one thing for your affection. People can become broken by many things. Sometimes other people break us. Sometimes our circumstances break us. Sometimes even God allows us to be broken. But most of the time, we break ourselves. Our stubborn insistence of doing things our own way is our worst enemy. No matter how you got broken, hear me when I tell you this, it doesn't matter if you were broken by people. It doesn't matter if you were broken by circumstances. It doesn't matter if you messed it all up so bad on your own. The beauty of God is this. He still looks at your brokenness and he's attracted to you. He sees beauty. He sees help. He sees a place. The Bible says he healeth the broken in heart and he bindeth up their wounds. This is why the Lord said in Luke 4 and 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. The only thing God asks is that we break our pride. And we admit our need for his help. See, pride will stop you from responding to the voice of the Lord. There's, there's never going to be a time where someone will stand before God and be without excuse because God's always going to be reaching. God's always going to be asking. Now, the one thing is this. There comes a point where you keep rejecting God and rejecting God and rejecting God that God stops reaching. Not because he doesn't love you, but because you have become so callous to the invitation of God that you'll, you won't be able to stand before God and say, why didn't you help me? Because God's saying, I saw your brokenness. I saw your life like it was. I saw that you were in shambles. And I kept trying. And I kept offering. And you didn't respond. That's why it's so important to respond when God ask you to respond. You have got to take the first step. You have got to be the one to say, okay, God, I need your help. 
Hosea 10 and 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Hear me, my friend. God is always reaching. God sees the broken life and he wants to give opportunity for people to respond to him. I was talking to a preacher just today. This story shook me so hard. He was talking about prophecy. See, you can't ever determine the timeline of prophecy. He said he was preaching at a church and and. All of a sudden, while he was preaching, he saw someone on the right side. He saw a girl on the right side of the building. And it was as if the whole room squeezed in and just saw her. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, he didn't know if it was a guest to remember. He said, it's time to stop playing games with God. See, when God gives you an opportunity, you may not like how it sounds, but it's God still reaching for you because he sees your brokenness. And he said, in fact, I see you standing on a street in front of a bunch of people and you're screaming the words, oh no, oh no. And she bowed up in her spirit. And all of a sudden he looked to the other side of the room and there was a young man on that side. And he said, sir, it's time to stop playing games with God. Because if you don't respond to God, he said, you're going to meet death. And after service, man came up to him and he said those two children those they weren't children they were teenagers that you called out are my kids it was a brother and a sister that was raised in that church and he said you have embarrassed our family and he said I want you to apologize he said I'm not going to do it he said because if I apologize then I'm telling you God's a liar he said and God can't lie he said, I didn't say that. The Lord said it. And the pastor walked up and the man was mad and started talking to the pastor. And he, the, the, the evangelist said, I'm not going to apologize. And that man said, I'm leaving. My family's leaving. And walked out of the church. He said, three years later, he was back at that church eating lunch with that pastor. And they got a phone call. That pastor got a phone call, and he jumped up, and he threw money on the table and said, let's go. And they took off across the other side of town. There was a four-lane highway with a divided median. And he said there was a fire truck, and there was people all around. And he said they got out, and he walked around the fire truck. And there was that girl standing in front of all those people saying, oh, no, oh, no. And the boy was on a motorcycle riding a willy. And a car put out in front of him and took his life. Hear me, my friend. God's always reaching for people. And you, he sees the brokenness of your life. And if you let pride stop you from responding to God, then you don't know when you're going to have another chance. You don't know when you're going to have another opportunity. I got to make up in my mind, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you more than anything. I need to respond to God. This is what the Bible says. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. 
but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. My friend, I would much rather run to God and fall upon that stone and be broken than to have the Lord say, all right, I'm going to fall upon you and you're going to be ground to powder. Hey, friend, God sees a broken heart, one that says, God, I can't do this by myself. I'm going the wrong way. I need you more than anything. First Peter 5, God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Then he says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, you come to God of a willing heart, saying, God, I'm making a mess of my life. I need you more than anything. And he says, God is going to exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth. Contrary to popular belief, pride is not thinking too much of oneself, but simply thinking too much about oneself, whether good or bad. I remember hearing a story, this man that was invited to preach, General Conference, years ago, and he was so proud that he was asked to preach. He strutted to that pulpit like he was the who's who. And his sermon fell so flat, everybody just stared at him. And he nearly crawled all the way back to his seat on that platform. The old elder minister on that platform leaned over and said, Son, if you'd have went to the pulpit like you came from the pulpit, you could have walked from the pulpit like you walked to the pulpit. The difference is a humble heart. Pride. It's like steroids. Makes things appear bigger than what they really are. There are two reactions that keep us from breaking our pride. And there's a scripture for each of them. The first reaction is, I'm not broken. It's the up and out person. Revelation 3.16, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. In other words, I'm good. Life's good. I've got clothes on my back. I've got all the food I need. I've got friends. Everything's good. But he's saying you're missing everything. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Then there's the I'm too broken person. The down and out person. Jeremiah 33 and 20, thus saith the Lord, if ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken. Hear me, God's promise will always work. There's people that say, I've been through too much. I'm so broken. I can't be used. I can't do, I can't do anything good. I can't be saved. Hey, friend, listen. Nobody is too broke that God can't 
can't fix. Nobody's messed up too bad that God can't restore. Everybody has their own baggage, but the ground of Calvary is equal for everybody. So let me give you some examples. Jesus met up with two proud people in the city of Jericho. Two of these same situations. The up and outer was the short tax collector named Zacchaeus who had to humble himself, climb up a tree in order to see Jesus. We also may not be short in stature, but we have fallen short. And we need to humble ourselves and get to that tree called Calvary. In spite of his outward success, Zacchaeus finally realized that he was inwardly broken. Oh, according to the people of the world, he had money. He had provision. He had everything that he needed and what everybody else wanted. But he had to first realize that everything I've got on the outside, it's not going to handle what needs to be fixed on the inside. And God planted a sycamore tree. In other words, God says, I'm going to put a tree right here because there's going to be a man that's going to humble himself and he's going to need to climb a tree. He's going to need to get to that cross. Hear me, God says, I'm going to put a tree in history. And everybody that gets to that tree is going to have the same opportunity to come to me and realize that I can give them a brand new start. Let us not look at everything we possess and say, I don't need God or I don't need a tree. Everybody here needs to get to that tree. Then there's that down and outer. He was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus who had to humble himself and cry out even when he couldn't see for himself that Jesus was there. People told him, be quiet. But he understood. They don't realize how broken I am. Somebody told me that God's here. Somebody told me that Jesus is here. And there's no way I'm going to let him get this close and pass me by because God does not stop for proud people. God does not stop for those that realize they've got problems but are not willing to open their mouth and reach out to the Lord. Only the blind man in that crowd of seeing actually saw Jesus that day. How everybody else saw him in the flesh. But there was one in the spirit that said, I may not see him like y'all see him, but I'm going to be the only one crying out. I'm going to be the only one reaching out. Hey, friend, if you could just see your opportunity here today if you can realize I don't have to leave the same way that I came. Stand with me right now. It's time we open up our hearts. We have become masters of the masquerade. We swap out our disguises. 
God sees through all of those disguises. You know what's so funny? It shows you humanity at its best, musicians, you could come. Adam, Eve covered themselves with fig leaves. I guess not realizing that they were going to dry up and wither and they were going to be exposed again. And it was going to be a continual process of trying to cover up, cover up. And the Lord saw right through their disguise. And God, is every time we assemble together, God sees the people that are covering up. And he's saying, if you'll just open your heart, if you'll just open your heart, if you'll just put your pride down, just come on. I see your brokenness. And there's beauty in a broken life. The beauty is not right then. But the beauty is when God starts putting the pieces of your life back together. It wasn't pretty when Peter denied the Lord three times. In fact, when that rooster began to crow, if we could see Peter for who he really was, he was a broken man. Having told the Lord, I'll never deny you. And yet we find three times him denying the Lord. At his lowest, I'm sure he felt like giving up. I'm sure he felt like, what's the use? I've let the Lord down. I never felt like that before. I've let the Lord down. How could he ever do anything with me again? But God doesn't act like we act. Because when people let us down, we give up on them. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Those afflictions don't just mean, oh, a person was sick or they faced adversity. Anybody ever heard of self-inflicted wounds? Situations and circumstances that we put our own selves in. Yet God says, I know you did that, but I'm still going to deliver you from it. Yeah, you made a mess. Yeah, you did things that you wasn't supposed to do. But my love and my mercy is still here available for you. And I'm going to deliver you out of this. And you're going to grow from this. And the beauty was not revealed when Peter denied the Lord. Let's get to Pentecost when he's standing and preaching a message that we're still preaching. That's when the beauty of a broken life was realized because he let God put him back together. These altars are open tonight.